International rugby coverage on the Country Sport Breakfast is proudly brought to you by Access Solutions, elevating you and your business to a higher level. We're catching up okay. with some of the uh, catching up with the NZME crew that are in London as the build-up for the Rugby World Cup continues. And this morning, we're going to catch up with New Zealand Herald writer Gregor Paul, who I think is on the way to the Borough Market after a, a day's training and looking at the All Black squad. Morning, Gregor. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. So let's talk about the squad that uh, Fozzie and the selectors have named. It's a very strong team, isn't it? Yeah, look, it is. And that shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone because that was always the intention of this game. Look, it was arranged specifically because there were concerns. You know, Fuzzy's been to a couple of World Cups with the All Blacks and they've tried different preparation methods, if I could put it that way, about when to play the last game before you head offshore or uh, before the World Cup starts. And they found out in 2015 they had a six-week gap between the last game and the first at the World Cup. That was too long. Last year, the or last World Cup, they played against Tonga in New Zealand before they left, but that wasn't a tough enough game for them. That didn't really offer much. So this was always the intent, was to give the top team you know, an absolutely genuine run out before the World Cup because they want these guys on the field. They want them to be playing because they haven't played for a wee while. And look, they also want to replicate the intensity, the pressure, you know, everything that's going to be what they encounter in France for that opening game, they're going to get quite a lot of that at a sold-out Twickenham against the South African team. That's the thing I want to touch on about a sold-out Twickenham. And in the Herald today, you've written a wonderful article about the power of the all-black brand in the UK. It seems to be massive. Yeah, look, it is. I should clarify, because I've had a few... uh, pointers from some South Africans recently who have pointed out there's an awful lot of South Africans here in London as well who will be filling up that stadium and you know 50-60% of the crowd will be South Africans but look it's true to a large degree this is a big rugby market the UK Uh, if you look you've got England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales who all play the game who have an established rugby presence from north to south east to west in all four countries so it's 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 a growing sport here or uh, and I think there's a real possibility that the All Blacks could do quite well in terms of picking up new fans, new supporters, because people here know the history, they like the team, uh, they like the game of rugby, and there's something special about the All Blacks, despite the fact that you know crowds might not always love what they do to you know their own team, but there is a respect for them, and there is a possibility here that if New Zealand are thinking about how do they grow this presence of the All Blacks and find new fans... Well, I'd imagine that London and England would be a good place to start. When you think about it, you know, New Zealand is a small market, isn't it? A country of four or five million people. So the brand has really, as you've said in your article, it's outgrown itself and and it needs to go to bigger markets. Yeah, well, I mean, look, there's probably more four or five million people going through railway stations here in London (laughs) every day when you think about it. You know, that's just London alone or a little bit of London. So... You know, New Zealand runs this problem that you've got this internationally recognised global phenomenon in the All Blacks who do have brand reach, if I could put it that way, across many, many countries. They, they transcend rugby because people who don't know much about rugby will probably know the All Blacks. So that's, that's the difficulty that they have, though, is that they're a national team, so you need to kind of have a bit of an emotional investment in them. And that's tricky if you're not a New Zealander. But there's only five million of them and maybe one million over here and that isn't really enough to, to generate the kind of money that this team is looking to generate. So the challenge for New Zealand rugby is to, to try and find their, their own goal here is to try and find at least five million more people 
are going to be willing to part with some cash uh, and call themselves All Black fans. Do you think maybe we'll see more tests played perhaps in London with that kind of uh, interest from the crowds over there? Yeah, well, look, I think they kind of, they're teetering around that anyway. They've played a few in London against England, obviously, and they've played a few outside of the calendar, which they've, which they've organised separately. So they're going to play in London against England anyway. I think they'll be realising, though, that you know, at the moment, the games that they've taken outside of their schedule have been to Japan, they've been to the USA, they've looked at those two countries as the places where they think they've got the most opportunity to find new followers. But look, I think London is, is, a, is a trick that they're missing, perhaps, because, yep, there's a lot of Kiwis here, but yes, there's an awful lot of rugby followers too. And the, the way England are playing at the moment in particular, the, the, the locals here, there's only 40,000 going to go and watch England play Fiji the day after the All Blacks have played South Africa. Like I think they're hanging out for a bit of quality rugby, and if they get it from the All Blacks, they'll be quite happy. I'm sure they will. Hey, Gregor, sorry to interrupt your, uh, your evening out. We'll let you uh, continue on, and we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thank you.